You know, it's been nearly 80 days since New York City went into lockdown. And during that time, I know that we've all experienced a whole range of emotions and fears. But, you know, I believe that for most of us, the real battle that we're all facing is not really against the virus itself, but rather it's the battle that is taking place in our own minds as we're trying to make sense of everything and as we're trying to fight for hope and joy in the middle of all of this. And, you know, in the Christian life, and especially in times of crisis and struggle and suffering and uncertainty, we all experience what feel like spiritual attacks on our hearts and our souls. And the truth is, if you're not prepared, and if you're not well-armed to protect yourself against these attacks, then you're going to be overwhelmed by them. And your spiritual life will begin to feel like a losing battle. But the Apostle Paul writes to us in Ephesians 6 to help us guard ourselves against these types of spiritual attacks and to be strong even in the midst of difficult circumstances. He says in Ephesians 6, 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now let's just begin with the second half of that sentence. Paul says that the reason we take up the shield of faith is so that we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So we begin with this image of the evil one grabbing a bow and firing arrows at us. These are his weapons. And he's trying to wound us, he's trying to injure us, and he's trying to take us out of the fight that we're in. And the Apostle Paul is telling us to prepare ourselves to stand against the weapons, the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, the questions are, well then, well, who's this evil one and what are these weapons? Well, if you look at the way that the Bible describes the evil one, you'll get a sense of not only who he is, but you'll get a sense of what he's trying to do. You see, in Job 1 and in 1 Thessalonians 2, he is called Satan, which means adversary. In 1 Peter 5.8, Peter calls the evil one the devil, which means liar or slanderer. The Apostle Paul calls him the tempter, in 1 Thessalonians 3.5, John the Revelator says he is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12.10. You see, when you consider all these descriptions of the evil one, you begin to see who he is, what his tactics are, and what his weapons are. And those things could fall into essentially three main categories. Deception, accusation, and temptation. That's what he does. You know, we think about demonic or satanic oppression, we tend to think of something completely different. We think of something otherworldly. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think of like satanic oppression, I have this mental image of that movie, The Exorcist, and some girl's head spinning around. And, you know, I, and, that, and that kind of image is easy to dismiss as crazy. But the truth is that the spiritual attacks that we, you and I experience are typically far more subtle than that. And, you know, and I know that right now, some of you, you're hearing me talk about evil and Satan, and you're thinking, this doesn't apply to me. You're like, I'm not even sure I believe in that stuff. I've never even seen or experienced any demons or Satan. Well, I want to contend this morning that perhaps you have. They just aren't what you expect. You see, when the Bible talks about spiritual attacks from the evil one, it's not talking about weird, out-of-the-ordinary experiences. It's talking about the battles that we fight every day in our fight to stay faithful to the way of Jesus. And I know that we all feel a pull away from obedience to God at times. Because the enemy, and because the enemy's schemes are subtle, we're so easily enticed by them. See, William Gurnall says that Satan does not leave fang marks in your flesh, but he leaves lies in your heart.
So I want us to look this morning at what the fiery darts of the evil one are in our lives. Deception, accusation, and temptation. So let's start with deception. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, there's the account of what theologians call the fall of humanity. And the first two chapters of Genesis describe this world that God created that is beautiful and peaceful. It's, there, there's no pain and God places humanity, man and woman, in this world so that He can have a relationship with us. And He gives us the ability to create and work and to eat and to play. But in a world full of yeses, He gives only one no. He told Adam and Eve, He said, do not eat of that one tree. You see, God offered a narrative to Adam and Eve. He said, enjoy all of my creation except that one thing because it will kill you. You see, God is wise and He wants what is best for us. So He'll say to us, enjoy all these good things, but avoid that because it's not good for you. Well, in this story, the serpent comes into the narrative and he begins telling a counter story. The serpent says, that tree is fine. He tells Adam and Eve, it's not going to kill you. It's a tree. It's fruit. And he begins to deceive and he begins to put questions in the minds of Adam and Eve about what God really said. And the serpent said to them, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree uh, in, in the garden? And he spins this web of deceit in their minds. He says, does God really say, do you really believe him? You really think that'll kill you? And you see, the first time Satan derails humans is through deception. And at the heart of deception is a voice getting you to question what you have been told to be true. You see, the serpent gets, question, gets Adam to question God's word. He gets him to question the consequences of disobedience and to question God's goodness. And Adam and Eve d- disobeyed. They questioned God's goodness. They, and when they did that, they distanced themselves from their Creator. And it was a huge mistake. And here we are in the midst of a quarantine, and you wonder, what might this deception look like for you and me? Well, it might look like that voice in your head that keeps saying, did God really say He would never leave you or forsake you? Because it sure seems like you're all alone right now. Or maybe it's that voice in your head that says, did God really say that He's sovereign over all things because, and, and He's got the whole world in His hands because it sure seems that He's not doing a very good job right now. It doesn't seem like He can be trusted with all that's happening in the world. You see, one of the great weapons of the evil one is for him to cast doubt on God's goodness. And so what happens is in times of pain, we are deceived and we turn away from God and we question His goodness and we, we separate ourselves from Him when what we need is His comfort and His care more than ever. And I'm convinced that in these last few months, the enemy is wanting us to, he's wanting to cast doubt on God's goodness in our minds so that we distance ourselves from Him during these days. And He wins when you do that because you are separating yourself from the care of God and that will only make you fearful and bitter. And the evil one wants to shoot that fiery dart of deception at you. And I just want to say to you today, don't be fooled. Another way that I know that many of you are fighting a battle is that you feel the accusations of the evil one. So here's what this looks like. The enemy will take things that are good and true, things that you know that God wants for your life, and then he will accuse you of not living up to those things. And he will use that to make you feel like you are undeserving of God's love, undeserving of his compassion and his care. See, the enemy wants you to be ashamed, and in your shame, he convinces you to turn your back on God. You know, here's what that looks like for me. So God has called me to be the very best husband, father, and pastor that I can be for His glory. Those are my three main vocations in this life. 
But in these very unique times that we're living in, there's all sorts of stressors and pressure points on these roles that God has given me. So my kids are at home. They don't have school. They have weird routines now. I mean, everything's just off balance. My wife is working from home. Our normal routine is completely thrown off. And so balancing home life in a healthy way is honestly just a real challenge right now for us. And I know it is for many of you. But also when it comes to being a pastor, I've got all these new pressure points. Like everything's now online. And I'm trying to figure that out and edit videos and do all this stuff. On top of all that, many people in our church right now are struggling. People are struggling financially. People are struggling emotionally. Many people are grieving the loss of someone they love. And so I'm trying to balance all that. And then also as a pastor, I'm thinking about our community. There's more needs right now than ever in our neighborhood, whether it's the homeless, whether it's our missions partners, our friends at the Guilds for Exceptional Children, whether it's our neighbors that don't have food. And with all that's going on in our church and in our community and all that's going on in my family, I'm just not able to do everything that can be done. And so I have to do the best I can within my human limits, within the situation that I'm in. But I'm telling you, at some point in every day since this whole pandemic began, there's always a voice at some point that creeps into my head and says, Will, you haven't done enough today. You should have called that church member. You should have checked in on that person. Or you need to see what the church can do about the homeless in Bay Ridge. You need to see what the church can do about this. And you need to prepare for that prayer meeting a little bit more. Or maybe the enemy will say to me, you spent too much time working today and your kids, uh, your kids needed you and you were staring at your computer all day. And now those are all essentially good things. And you say, how is that sort of conscious a bad thing? I mean, couldn't that possibly be the Holy Spirit? Well, perhaps... And maybe it is at certain moments, but here is how I know when that voice is coming from the evil one. It's when that tone of voice is accusing me. You are a failure as a father. You are a failure as a pastor. You can't do anything right. That's accusation. And when I hear this, my first instinct is to pull away from God and turn inward and just let my shame rush over me. And I hear that accusing voice say, you call yourself a Christian? You sure aren't doing enough right now. Now, what does accusation look like for you in these days? You know, during our prayer times on Wednesday mornings, I've heard some of you express that you feel this. And honestly, I hear it in a lot of you mothers who, I mean, you're just beating yourselves up because you're, you're not the perfect homeschool mom or because you're struggling to find the balance between working from home and being with your children. And I see it. The enemy has heaped shame upon shame upon shame over you, and many of you are walking in defeat. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't let the enemy accuse you of these things. Don't let the enemy take your shortcomings and your limitations and use them to cast doubt on your worthiness as a child of God. You need to know this morning that He loves you, and He knows you're limited right now. So turn to Him, surrender to Him, admit your limitations, and trust that God will honor the best you can do. And when you fall short, He is there to forgive you and set you back on the path of the Spirit. Do not fall prey to the feelings of accusation that make you feel unworthy of the love that God has for you. That is accusation, and don't fall prey to it. Finally, one of the great weapons of the evil one is temptation. I know that the coronavirus quarantine and this lockdown and all that's gone with it has brought with it a new set of temptations for all of us. And you know, the evil one is very crafty, the scriptures say, and he knows how to play to our weaknesses in these days. And so I know that a lot of 
young single men in our church are watching right now and you've been isolated in your apartment for months now. And I have no doubt that the enemy has shot some pretty fiery darts into your mind during these days. And I know that it hasn't been an easy battle for you to fight. And I know that the enemy has tried to come after you where you feel the most weak. Others of you, you've been just tempted by the enemy to squander your time. I mean, you're sad and you're afraid because of the pandemic, but in your sorrow and in your fear, the enemy is tempting you to numb yourself by wasting your time on trivial things. And listen, I'm not here to judge. Rebecca and I have watched more TV than usual in the last few months. But many of you need to be very, very careful of what you consume because binging is not a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is. And many of you are being tempted right now to binge all sorts of things that are not good for you in high doses. Social media, scrolling your phone, binging one TV series after another, binging on junk food, binging on cable news. Others of you have faced different temptations, temptations to overwork, temptations to give in to fear, temptations to get angry and bitter with people. And here's what happens when, we're te- when we give in to temptation. Once the enemy has convinced us to give in to whatever temptations he throws at us, he then shifts gears and heaps on the accusation again. So he convinces you to do something you know you shouldn't do, and then once you do it, he accuses you. What are you doing? Wasting your life away. What a loser you are. You call yourself a follower of Jesus. How could you, you hypocrite? And we end up in this cycle of temptation and shame and accusation, and it pulls us away from the very heart of God, and it weakens us to stand firm when temptation comes our way. So those are the fiery darts of the evil one, deception, accusation, and temptation. How do we protect ourselves from these things? Ephesians 6 says that we need in all circumstances to take up the shield of faith. Now, when we think of shields, many of us have an image of Captain America. And, you know, as cool as his vibranium shield is, that is not the image that Paul is thinking when he writes this. He's thinking of a Roman shield. And Roman shields were much bigger than caps. They were about four feet high and two feet wide. And soldiers would use them to create a wall that completely covered and protected them from enemy fire. And they could cover themselves and advance on the battlefield because their shields kept them safe. And when we put on the shield of faith, what we are doing is we are letting our faith cover us and protect us from enemy fire. And that helps us stay safe and it helps us to advance forward rather than stand still or retreat in the battle. But the question then is, well, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I like the definition that Priscilla Shire gives for faith. She says, faith is when you act like God is telling the truth. So let's break that down. If the evil one's main tactic in weakening your spiritual life is to get you to cast is to get you to cast doubt on God's goodness and to place lies in your heart about your worth to God and to convince you to do what you know is not right then the protection from these things is to cover ourselves with what we know to be true about God. Faith is when you act like God is telling the truth. So when those thoughts come into your head and you hear the enemy say, did God really say, or is God really kind and caring and compassionate? In those moments, you cover yourself with the shield of faith. Yes, he did say those things. And yes, he is who he says he is. 
And when the thoughts of accusation come into your mind, you are worthless. You're a failure. You don't measure up. How can you call yourself a Christian? In those moments, take up the shield of faith and say, God says, I am his child. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Not death, nor life, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when Satan tempts you and tries to pull you away from the way of Jesus and tries to entice you into the, onto a way of disobedience, that's when you take up the shield of faith and you say, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, but blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, faith is when you act like God is telling the truth. And when the enemy attacks, you take the truth of God's word and you put that back to him and you cover yourself with that truth. And what is the truest thing that God tells us? He tells us that we are loved by him and he sent his son Jesus into the world to die our death so that we would no longer be deceived, so that we would no longer be accused, and so that we would no longer walk in darkness. You see, our faith is in Jesus, who silences the enemy and pronounces new life over us. So shield yourself in Him. Now, I remember when I was a child, if someone came to our door and told me that I owed some kind of payment, you know, maybe it was the pizza delivery guy. He would come to me and I would take the pizza and he would say, well, that's $22.50. And I would say, well, you're going to have to talk to my dad about that because he's the one that takes care of that. And I would call my father over. I would retreat into the house with the pizza, trusting that my father would take care of the payment. And I would be in the kitchen just enjoying that pizza. I heard one author use a similar parable about how Christians should respond when Satan fires accusations at us. He said, just as a child says to the bill collector, if I owe you anything, go to my father So may a believer say to justice, if I owe you anything, go to my Christ who has underwritten me fully. I must not sit down discouraged under the fear of those debts which Christ to the utmost farthing has fully satisfied. The remedy against Satan's flaming darts is to look upon all your sins as charged to the account of Christ. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. Listen, church, if you are a child of God, then there is nothing that the evil one can accuse you of, tempt you of, or demand of you that Jesus has not already paid for with His blood. And when the evil one comes after you, whether it is to deceive you, accuse you, or tempt you, you can simply say, you know what? You're going to have to take that up with my Christ because I'm His. And the Scriptures assure us that Jesus has and always will win the victory over evil. So we can rest and we can take shelter under the shield of our faith, which is Jesus Himself. Church, let me pray for you this morning. God, give us faith. God, give us strength to resist the lies of the enemy. And God, give us strength to trust that you are telling the truth about who you are. And help us to see that you are good and that we are loved and that the way of Jesus is the way to abundant life. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 
Now, we are about to sing a final song as we finish out our time together this morning. But as we sing, you're going to see a button in the bottom right corner of your screen that says Live Prayer. And if you click that link, it will open up a private chat with just you and one of our leaders who would love to pray with you this morning. So if you need prayer this morning, we invite you please to take this opportunity. We want to pray with you, whether it is to pray with you about how you can know more about Jesus and about how you can be covered in His protection, or whether you just need someone to pray that you would have strength to resist the deception, the accusation, and the temptations that you're experiencing during these days. Click that link. We would love to pray with you. So church, let's sing together, and someone will be waiting for you to pray with you. And we look forward to that.